Welcome to Focus Fire Chat. Explore together. Welcome back for episode 73 of Focus Fire Chat, recorded live on February 17th, 2017 on Twitch.tv. Big shout out to the live chat here. Thank you so much for spending your evening with us. This is your host, Blue Crew 86 Alongside me, we have the voice that has launched a thousand ships, Justin Sane 0516. How have the uh, drops been for you, Justin? I, I can't complain. I got a Treads Upon Stars with a pretty decent role, and also... Was not attacked by multiple snakes. <laughs> or shotguns. Or shotguns. <laughs> oh. <laughs> Sorry. We we uh, introduced Justin to a particular nature documentary video before the show. Horror movie. <laughs> it was a horror movie. The genre was horror. <laughs> I think Wes Craven directed it. <laughs> and from the depths of madness-inducing mind maps, we are also joined by our favorite Gunter, the one and only green-eyed music lover. Green, hope you're uh, doing well. How's the week gone for you? Not too bad. Haven't had any snakes sneak up on me. No sneaky snakes. It's good. Good week. Yeah, good week. Uh, yeah. I actually jumped into Crucible both today and yesterday for a little bit just to see how the meta is. I am happy that hand cannons are back, and I don't feel like a complete noob anymore. I actually got a KD of over two. Nice. And for me, guys, that's that's nice. Of- so, yeah, good good week. Well, in our guest co-host spotlight tonight, we have our friend Demigod257. Demi, how are you? Uh, how's it going for you tonight? Oh, everything's pretty well. I can't complain. Where uh, can you tell us real quick where people can find you if they wanted to chat more with you later about tonight's topic? Oh, well, you guys can find me slithering around in uh, the Discord. <laughs> <laughs> Smooth. Uh, yeah, no, you guys can find me on the Discord. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, just Justin has a unique response to nature videos, apparently, and it's. <laughs> Not amused. <laughs> uh, <laughs> so yeah, Discord. Um, you guys can find me on Twitter at Doctor Lord Josh. Uh, you guys can find me playing Destiny. Uh, Crucible's been fun recently. I've been trying out uh some of the auto rifles recently, which uh they're not so bad. Uh, I have to agree with Green. The uh the hand cannons. I personally am a hand cannon enthusiast, and hand cannons are feeling great right now. But uh, mm-hmm. auto rifles aren't too bad. At least the ones that I've been using, so uh, it's been fine. Kind of relaxing to play Destiny after a while. Nice. That's always that's always a good positive response. Is it's relaxing to play. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. All right. The topic of today's chat is going to be an exploration of the inspirations for the Traveler from within the mythology of Earth. Before we get into that, however, I do have a few housekeeping notes. In our last chat, we looked at the exotic Titan armor. If you missed that and have any interest in hearing our thoughts, please be sure to check out www.focusfirechat.com for archives of all previous chats as well as links to the other aspects of Focus Fire Chat out on the internets. If you don't mind, please give us some feedback on iTunes to let us know how we're doing. 
As many of you already know, Focus Fire Chat is a cross-community gathering where the intent is to offer a week-long, in-depth view of a particular subject from within the lore of Destiny and other games. This chat begins every Tuesday morning and runs until the following Tuesday, with topics decided by the group via a poll that begins every Friday and ends on the Tuesday morning of the new chat. Every Friday, at about 10 p.m. Central, we get together to stream a recap of the previous week's chat for those who are unable to participate. Please be sure to also give some support to the other podcasts in the Guardian Radio Network, found at theguardiansofdestiny.com. These include Guardian Radio, the official podcast for the Guardians of Destiny, Guardian One, and Ghost and Echoes, which also has the Destiny audio grimoire. Our next chat's going to be an exploration of the exotic primary weapons. So with all that, let's go ahead and dive into some of the aspects of our own mythology that has helped form the figure that we know as the Traveler. Lorbot, let's go. Query. Grimoire. Database. Results found. Displaying on screen. Thank you, Randy. Um... The Traveler. It's like the most important thing, but it's the most uh, it's the most mysterious thing in the <laughs> Destiny universe. What, it's basically know. this giant ball we know nothing about, but clearly it's got a big hole in the underside, so we could have like maybe flown a ship in there at some point. But I digress. I'm going to just read the card now. Everything changed with the coming of the Traveler. It gave us gifts that transformed the solar system and the nature of human life. It ushered in the golden age, a time of miracles, but it never shared its deepest secrets. Where did the traveler come from? Why did it offer us so much? Did it know it was being hunted across the stars? And why? When the darkness came, did it choose to stay and fight for us? Now the traveler hangs silent above humanity's final sanctuary. It may be healing. It may be dying. It gave everything it had to save us. And now its power lies with us. It's guardians. Yeah, I think it's safe to say this is like some, you know, like this may very well be the speaker talking. Because um, this is some very pro-traveler propaganda. <laughs> this puts a very pro-traveler spin on the situation. I'm just saying. Oh. <laughs> we Justin, can get into Rasputin just, if you want, Blue. It's early. Justin, Justin immediately fires towards the speaker. He Shots fired. He doesn't trust him, <laughs> if anyone doesn't know that. Uh, my history with people wearing masks is not so great. <laughs> Justin must honestly hate Halloween. Uh, <laughs> I think he's just bitter about people taking his mail. But that's true. That's true. Dang kids, get off my lawn. <laughs> well, and uh, Green, I know you wanted to talk about the lighthouse a little bit as far as like an example of the the Traveler's exact, like some of the things that the Traveler actually did. Um, the lighthouse, you said you were talking about the lighthouse having a pretty good example of that. Right. I mean, we see in the opening cinematic for the whole game, the Ares one mission first and you see how the traveler like shoots out basically it looks like steam essentially and the whole planet gets terraformed and everything but 
we do have a few different grimoire cards that actually talk about it a little bit more in detail. And the lighthouse card actually is one of them. And it talks about how uh, the, the whole planet was terraformed. There was atmosphere that was put into it and that not even the Vex destroyed that they hadn't gotten rid of it. So it's kind of neat to see a little bit more ingrained in the grimoire itself, besides just the cinematics, how the traveler actually works. It does uh, basic adds atmospheres, the basic thing that is most noted in the grimoire and for planets like Mars and Venus, creating an atmosphere would change a lot as far as how the, the planet would react. If there's any sort of seeds or life still on it, atmosphere for most of those places would actually be able to trigger some of that reality being or that uh, life to come back in some respects. So that is just one of the examples of that. And I'm rambling. So tag, you're it. <laughs> well, no. And I mean, yeah, the, like you were saying, the, the lighthouse card, you know, talks about that. And the interesting thing for me on the lighthouse card is the comment that the Vex did not dispose of the atmosphere, but mm-hmm. they, they ate whatever the traveler planted like right. later, later down in the card, uh, the, uh, uh, whoever it is that's writing <clears throat> the note Hideo. to, well, he's writing to oh, yes. Hideo. That's true. Yeah. The, the contact says that his ghost commented that the traveler had made something of this world and then the Vex had eaten that something, but they didn't eat all of it because they left the atmosphere um, that the traveler, that it implies that the traveler had put there. Now we know like the terraforming of Venus and stuff wasn't necessarily the traveler. Uh, those were the Hesperonauts and you know, mm-hmm. that was humanity. So it, stands to reason that technically it could you could make an argument that maybe the traveler wasn't a hundred percent responsible for atmospheric presence on mercury as well i don't I, well it talks about in one of the other cards the different planets that it visited before mm-hmm, we mm-hmm. intercepted it so no, that's true that's true those, yeah those uh it's one of the aries ones cards where it talks about how it went to jupiter mars was the last one and went to Jupiter, Mercury, Venus, and then Mars was the last one it intercepted. That's such a random and hopping pattern. No, it actually isn't. Cause if you go into an, an astro, uh, no, I can't think of what it's called. If you have a spherical diagram of how the planets rotate around the sun, mm-hmm. there are times when that order shows up where it's the most common, like an astrolab. Mm-hmm. If you look at it, there's a few different times a year, essentially, that that will show up. Uh, and the next closest one, I think, is in 2019. Oh, okay. It, okay. It is something that happens. It's just a little rare because of Jupiter's orbit being every 12 years versus um, Mars and Venus being much shorter. That Actually, that does make sense now that you say that. That... Because I've always read that, and I'm like, that is a really random jump from Jupiter to Mercury. But yeah, now that you point that out, and now that I'm looking at pictures of this, that actually does make a lot more sense. Mm -hmm. Look at that. Good job. Justin, why can't you do that? Because he muted himself. Cricket, cricket. 
it. I did. <laughs> what he was doing was he was rewatching that snake video. Yeah. You yeah. didn't hear him screaming again. Yeah, well, that, that's a good thing for everybody. <laughs> Everyone with eardrums, at least. Yeah. Our core demographic, by the way, has eardrums. So <laughs> that's, that's good for all of you. <laughs> oh, well, and so moving moving a little bit further into the grimoire as far as the Traveler, um, again, we're, we're going to touch just a little bit on what we know about the Traveler. Then I think we'll, we'll kind of take a step back and look at um, some of the inspirations that we've that we've seen and that the chat was talking about as well. But another mention is within the Osiris card. Um, and the reason to bring, I bring this out is because Osiris actually kind of has supposedly has a theory about what exactly the traveler is. And he, he actually, well, the speaker is actually the one that's talking in this card, but he says in there that he has a theory that a guard, you know, he's talking about, uh, the Vex gate, Vex gate networks and how Osiris has kind of found a way to explore, supposedly found a way to explore, um, and that he's made breakthrough, a, a breakthrough after breakthrough of their origins. And he has theories that the guardian cannot be simulated. And then he goes on to say that the traveler might be an onto former or a God incubator. Um, now that's, that's an interesting concept. Um, because yeah, green and Josh and, in our side chat it's talking about the kill the moon doctor who episode it is exactly what i was going to go what was i going to talk about an onto former is basically it it basically means being it, it it's something that forms a being um you see this in you know and i know john or demi you're gonna <clears throat> you're gonna talk about this a little bit later probably but uh there there's a number of mythological references to the concept of what's what's usually called the cosmic egg or world egg or even some some call it the mundane egg um in the greek and roman and kind of the etruscan mythologies it's called the orphic egg and this is usually a concept that this is the origin point for like all of creation or of something that led to creation. It's the, it's the, the first mover if you wanted to go down the, the philosophy route. Um, and so there's there, like the Orphic egg is actually the origin point for the primordial uh, deity Fane's. I think it's Fane's pro, protogenius. Is that right, Josh? Yeah. Um, and, th- and that individual or that entity basically in turn creates all the other gods. So like everything comes from this one thing. Um, and the interesting thing about the Orphic egg is that the actual presentation is an egg with a serpent wound around it, um, which is which actually has some interesting connotations within Destiny, given we have we have worms in Destiny, too. Um, but yeah, so an onto onto it means being and former obviously means literally the active agent in the process of formation or creation. So an onto former is literally a being creator or a former. And that's where it goes into the concept of a God incubator, which is exactly what that, 
world egg, the Orphic egg, has always kind of been presented as as a god incubator. It's something that gives birth eventually to a massive entity that is very powerful and is, in all intents and purposes, a god. Um, that That's really, like, the concept that that gets introduced is kind of interesting um, and terrifying at the same time, if you really think about that for a moment. But that's that's kind of the Osiris bend to it. Uh, did you want to talk on the darkness, the darkness grimoire card, just a tad bit, Josh? Uh, yeah, sure. So the darkness card that we get, um, it focuses on some of the theories that some of the more popular people of the destiny mythology have on the darkness. So you have, for example, St. 14's position on the darkness being that it was in, um, you have the theories of Oolong Tong and you have some other, uh, some other theories from other sects uh, within destiny that we don't really know much of. Um, but the major thing that really culminates in this card is the idea that the traveler somehow triggered the collapse. Uh, and if it did not trigger the collapse, it knew of, uh, of an impending coming of the collapse uh, by the darkness, because evidently the darkness or some entity of the darkness has been chasing the traveler. And we get an idea of this from the books of sorrow, uh, just because we, I guess, chronologically speaking, we meet the traveler there. Mm-hmm. So, um, you know, we, there's a lot of polarizing <laughs> positions <laughs> here. Um, you know, one of them with Ulan Tong, uh, with his thesis that, you know, the darkness is just, uh, it forms a balance with the traveler. Uh, and so whatever good comes about from the traveler necessitates some sort of ruin from an entity and this entity is the darkness. So um, it's interesting. It has that dichotomy of good and evil of light and dark that we're going to inevitably be exploring here. So, you know, yeah. Perfect. And then the last one that I really wanted to bring up is the Legend of the Black Garden, Legend of the Black Garden card, which is the kind of the infamous Pajari vision. Um, and, this, and this one really is the, the, the point that I wanted to bring out right here is, again, you know, like what Josh was just saying, the dichotomy. Uh, near the end of the card, the, there is a flower that is in the shape of a ghost that you know, cuts Pajari, um, Pajari's hand and he bleeds and the blood was light. And it, it basically leads to a discourse between this ghost flower and Pajari in which they get into an argument about the nature of life and death and darkness and light. And Pajari goes to say that the traveler is life and the flower is a creature of darkness. You were sent, he was sent to deceive deceive him or her descent to deceive me and and then it says pajari look behind behind me down the long slope where the blossoms tumbled in the warm wind and the great great trees wept sap like blood or wine and i felt doubt so it kind of introduces the idea of is the traveler life because the ghost flower 
accuses Pajari of being a dead thing made by a dead power in the shape of the dead. All you ever, all you will ever do is kill. You do not belong here. This is a place of life. And if you really think about what a guardian, you know, what a guardian is, you know, go back to really just the guardian card where it says that we the guardians are raised from the ancient dead. That is exactly what they are. They are kind of a lich like figure in that sense. And in, in, you know, in that translation, that's exactly what a guardian is. It's a dead thing made by power and it takes the shape of a dead thing. So if you understand the if you if you buy into this idea that the traveler is a dead power which technically, you know, right now in the game that kind of is what it's presented as. The traveler is kind of floating there dead for all intents and purposes. So you are a dead thing made by a dead power in the shape of the dead. So that actually does follow there. And that's where that kind of that doubt starts building for Pajari it seems. Um, and again, that, that comment there is really just, again, to highlight the, the, the polarization of light and darkness that is pretty prevalent throughout all of destiny. Um, but to bring it back to the traveler, uh, let's see where, where, where to even begin. Can I pull it back real quick just before we move on? Yes. Jump back into the darkness card and Mm -hmm. there's actually a small paragraph from the Pajari position. Oh, and yes. It's the, the position about the darkness itself. Mm-hmm. And it kind of goes to the point of what you see in the black garden card that the darkness as a force with both physical and moral presence and actual actualization of evil. Pajari art depicts the darkness as a great storm or as a change in conduct, a corruption that emerged from within and poisoned the golden age. So it really talks about, okay, Darkness is something that seeps in. It's not something that is necessarily an omnipresent type thing. It just emerges from within yourself. So it's saying it come it came from within and poisoned the golden age. So I don't know if that's saying that darkness kind of creeped in in the form of doubt or the form of too much power or anything like that. But it definitely, definitely kind of gives an a darker feel to what happened as at the collapse. Yeah. And yeah. And we, we actually did talk about that concept with Pajari, um, quite a bit, well, a little bit in the, the black garden episode, which was episode 25. Um, and I, I really kind of, we, well, we were, when we were talking about it, I think it was, um, Oh, more more core uh from the dames she brought up the idea that the black garden is kind of like a bellwether of sorts for the balance of the universe um and so the red flowers belong to those who influence the balance you know basically you control the balance via that whole concept um and i and i you know being being me kind of tied it back to the concept of the Ken Ken Khan no Rei, which is the red fields of none from the dark tower series. Um, which is, which is actually a very similar concept within that, that entire series is the, uh, the flowers were basically, they had ontological capabilities within that, that series. And, you know, basically if it, it, they were required to uh, assist in being able to erase 
actually one of the main antagonists in the entire series. He, they actually channeled that power through that. And so the poppies within the black garden kind of, if they, if they could follow along that same logic, that would actually be an interesting thing to see as well. Um, but to go back to Pajari too, the interesting thing about Pajari is the, the playoff of Pajari's name. Um, Pajari is usually a, well, a Pajari is a Hindu temple priest. And, you know, Josh, I know we're going to, we're going to talk about the Hindu, uh, inspirations, I guess a little bit as well, but it's a priest for, uh, for the Hindu faith. And so when you start talking about the Pajari position, Describing the darkness as a moral actualization of evil, um, just just think about that for a second and realize that you know you're talking about literally a priest talking about the degradation of a society from a moral standpoint. Which, for those of us in you know reality here, that's not that huge set of that's not a stretch of imagination to imagine someone of that of that of that um out view of life you know being being there t- saying that um and you know the the corruption that emerged from within and poisoned the golden age that that makes a lot of sense too because if you view the darkness as something that's inherently inside of everyone already that goes back to there's the the old native american um i i, I guess it's a parable uh of the two wolves, you know, the, the one of the light and the one in the dark and whichever one that you feed within your soul is the one that, that lives. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's, that's really, when I read the Pajari position, that's, that's actually the, uh, the idea that I get from Pajari's position. I know that's kind of a little bit of a stretch just given that we only have like mm-hmm. what two sentences, but that's always yeah. kind of the, the sense that I've gotten from Pajari's particular position um, mostly, mostly focusing on the, the idea of the corruption that emerged from within, you know, that, that would then mm. translate into the darkness as a force from within, not an external force necessarily. I don't know. I don't know if you guys want to jump onto that, that thought. Justin. Yeah. Yeah. I kind of want to argue with, uh, Pujari here, but not, not so much with you. I think you're, uh, I think your anal, you know, your analyzing of his position is spot on, uh, but I kind of, I take issue whenever we try to assign morals to seemingly amoral entities like the, the darkness mm-hmm. and the traveler. I don't think morals govern anything about them. I, I view them much more like natural forces. I mean, I, I know they're not. Well, at we least not in the world as we know it. They're not natural forces, but perhaps in the Destiny universe, they're they're more akin to um, natural forces of. Well, I'm thinking more like um, attraction, um, and like uh, I'm going to. Yeah, I'm going more down a magnetic path here, but it's 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 kind of like for. You know, for every action, there's an equal and opposite reaction. Um, but that's that's more the vibe I'm getting. It's not that it's moral or it's immoral. 
I think the I think the point here is that the forces of the darkness are much more like a moral natural phenomenon than they are like um, immoral entities with uh, ill intent and bad motives. What well, I would I would argue just. Josh beat me to it. Um, I would. I was gonna say uh, the the only thing I would respond to that to that counter argument there is. So I can I can get behind the argument that something such as the darkness or the light doesn't have morals. Um, I actually, mm-hmm. you know, you, well, Justin, you know, I have a theory about that whole thing, and morals don't play a part of it. Uh, because my my personal kind of understanding of light is that um, is that it's just energy. It's just the animating force of the the destiny universe. Mm-hmm. And there's no there is no. You're right. There is no moral um, inspiration. There's nothing driving it to do anything. It's just it's just energy. You just it just just does things. Um, however, however, I would. I would hesitate on saying that the traveler is not moral because the traveler has shown that it has sentience. And I'm going to argue pretty hard that if you have a degree of sentience, you kind of kind of have moral implications within pretty much everything you do. Do like, you though? Mm. Like animalistic. No, animal well okay, or I I guess let me let me let me back up here. Sentience when I when I say sentience, um, I I mean like not not animalistic level sentience. I'm I'm talking more of like consciousness. Yeah. Um. So I'm I'm talking to because like um, you know, sentient. So if you're sentient, you're basically able to perceive or feel things, right? Um. You you mm-hmm. you you have the ability to feel. Uh. A sentient being. Um. So yeah, that would be the I use the incorrect awareness. Yes, Sky and Chat, uh, it'd be self awareness. Um, and the reason I would argue that the traveler has some degree of the self awareness is because of some of the things that we see it doing within the books of sorrow. Now, granted, the books of sorrow are, are a biased account, even by their own, you know, presentation, they're biased. But at the same time, the traveler has always been attributed ideas of self-preservation of defending something of you know going out of its way to protect something you 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 can't see you don't usually see that in a lot of things i mean i guess you could argue that there could be an animalistic instinct to protect its young but even that you didn't see that within the track and we have an example of that exact opposite thing happening with the elixni the you know it didn't it didn't stay and protect the elixni that we know of now granted they could come out with more grimoire that disproves this entire thing we could find out that it did actually and that it was you know a last ditch effort that it ran away you know to save itself to you know live to fight another day um but as far as we know right now it the present the presentation is that it it did not stay with the elixni it left you know whereas it didn't leave us and so to me that gives a degree of self-awareness that is beyond just base sentience it's it's actually a higher level of functioning and when you start talking about that type of intellectual levels 
you usually start that's that's usually around the area that you start having moral understanding of events within within a paradigm is you usually start having that concept of this is right this is wrong you know that's the whole knowledge of good and evil aspect of of growing up basically um, right but blue i mean you can get into the argument though that the traveler didn't leave because it wasn't allowed to it might have gone on that mm-hmm. very same path as the, it did with the elixir with us, but it wasn't. It could have not been allowed to, whether it's through recipe Don't even or start anything that. else. I, Don't I even mean, start that's that. it's something that can counter it. Oh no, okay. no 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 yeah yeah yeah. And I mean, again, this is all based off my my reading of the severely limited information okay. that we have. Mm-hmm. So. I think I think what we need to remember too, most of the text we have on the traveler is written by the point of view of say third party ground zero type people who are looking up at this thing in awe and are wrapped up in sort of the deification of this of this anomaly we know nothing about. We we tend to want to what's that? Or demification. Yeah, yeah, exactly. It, depending on which side of the tracks you fall on, but I guess what I'm trying to say is we we love to attribute things, um, whether they're there or not. So, like, okay, we can say the traveler's actions. We we like to assign motives to it. Like, what is the traveler's motive? What is this, what if there is no motive? I haven't heard that question asked anywhere in in grimoire or anything else. Um, but I, I just want to throw out the the example of honeybees pollinating flowers. Um, okay, so they follow patterns, and they're they're actually a group of scientists that were able to put transponders on the backs of a bunch of honeybees, and and they observed that when they let them loose it, amidst a bunch of flowers to pollinate it they they kind of went it's seemingly random at first and then after a while they it seemed like they were testing out routes and then finally they found the shortest route between all of them and back to the back to the hive and then and then it just became a recurring pattern but that doesn't mean that a honeybee has a motive like it, it has that doesn't mean it, it it has an imperative i would say it it has it has a managing imperative that is driven it's it's actually a biological imperative right but by the queen it's it's not a moral imperative it's not a conscious social choice it's not evil it's not good it's not altruistic it's it's none of these things it's just simply nature it's biology it's it's you know it's the pull of the moon's gravity on the tides and i see i see where you're i see i see that argument i do i see that argument i don't ascribe to it because i think that i think that lessens the entire concept of what i understand they're trying to present the traveler as um josh i know you really you had something you wanted to toss in there real quick uh well so first i I think the the difference that you were trying to make was one of 
I believe it's instinct versus intellect, which it's yeah, kind it's of yeah. very similar to self awareness. Yeah. You know, uh, it's does the traveler do this because he's compelled to do it, or does he do it because he's conscientious of his actions? Yes. Um, I think the other half of this, which is really stemming from what Justin was, saying, we don't we don't have wholly accurate account what happened from the point of the traveler's arrival and to what happened during the collapse. And frankly, I don't think we're ever really going to get anything. Yeah. And I think, I think that's what, what makes the mysticism of it really appealing for us. But I think the, the truest account of what happened when a traveler arrived, what we know of the traveler, I think that we get from pretty much the opening scene of the game. Because that, there's there's no script, there's no dialogue for uh, to be given, for us to feed on and sort of make uh, uh, make any sort of opinions based on... Uh, you know, after that we have Jacob Hardy's cards, we have all these Golden Age cards, and every single card they could be a hundred percent true. And yet there is a certain voice that is going to propel your thought in a diff in, in one way. Whereas with the very beginning of the game, you see the traveler and you see it start terraforming and it is, uh, it is awesome to see. And then you get, basically everything you're doing in the game and so i think what we have to do is we sort of have to take our own experience from what our guardian does in the story of the game to to not really put ourselves in a position where you know we might be having to start uh this type of our morality for the traveler um yeah and i know uh i know you you were gonna touch a little bit did you want to touch a little bit on the zoroastrianism uh i listen my uh my expertise on zoroastrianism is not so um <laughs> i don't yeah i'm gonna i'm gonna it was it was one of those one of those split second uh comparisons where i was like wow that that's very much the same uh my my understanding of zoroastrianism is there is a, a certain dichotomy of two supreme beings correct yeah, it, it's 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 the concept of uh, cosmo. It's what's called cosmogenic dualism. Um, so like there, there, it's it's yeah, it's basically like the the idea the the most common example is going to be like a heaven and hell type situation. Yeah. Um, Which uh, I think on the surface is just it, it's very plain to see with Destiny. right. Yeah, if you if you want to if you want to make that sort of applicability. So that I yeah. don't think there needs to go anything beyond that. Yeah, and I mean the only the only thing that I find I find kind of intriguing about the whole concept of Zoroastrianism within within like an inspiration for Destiny, and this is kind of you know for a mythological standpoint too, is Zoroastrian completely recognizes the the idea of free will. Mm-hmm. Um, and what <laughs> the fun thing that free will does in a in a and I, I guess you would call it a bipolar system. So either so in a system that you have light, let's just go with the destiny themes, light and dark. We're not going to put good evil. We're not going to go that route. We have light and dark. Well, 
that's great, but that implies that you have to choose one or the other. Um, right? Binary system. Yeah. But the thing is, is with free, when you introduce free will, that means that you can choose whatever you want. I don't have to choose on or off. I don't have to choose light or dark. I can choose gray. And chaotic neutral. Yeah. It, I mean, yeah. If you, yeah, let's do the D and D thing here. Yeah. I mean, you can even do true neutral. Mm-hmm. Uh, and you know, that that's the thing is because with free will, the entire concept of free will, just from, from a mythological standpoint is that it flies in the face. I mean, this is kind of, this is kind of basic understanding of what free will is, is it flies in the face of a predetermined worldview, right? Mm-hmm. So free will inherently breaks a binary system. It actually breaks the majority of systems because it's by its step. Now you still like you can still technically in the large picture of things in most religions you still have a if you look if you back up really 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 far you still technically have a binary system in which there's a good mm-hmm. and a bad ending. And basically what a free will Really, what free will does is it just says that the individual determines which side of the the die they they go to instead of an abstract deity or an abstract power you know enacting upon them and choosing that path. Free will says that that individual can choose the path that they want to take and therefore they have to pay for the the consequence of their actions um you know you have you have Religions such as Judaism, Gnosticism, Christianity, Islam, um, all these concepts really, really thrive on the idea of free will, but also thrive on, you know, basically the, the, the dualism, I guess, if you really, 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 really want to summarize that concept of a heaven and hell type situation. Um, now, you also have ideas such as, you know, the the Buddhist approach, which doesn't really, it doesn't really fly in the face of those. It actually kind of builds off of them. Um, and I'm, I'm not nearly as much of an expert on Buddhism as I wish I could be because it's a very, it's a very interesting approach, I guess, paradigm way of life. Um, and it's definitely not as, on the surface, it's not as restrictive, right? Um, in some ways, it, yeah. It, I guess, yeah. It, it, every every paradigm is going to have its its baby bumpers that you have to stay within. Um, but yeah, and so that's that's kind of the the interesting thing for me for Zoroastrianism within the realm of destiny is that it kind of does play on that concept of that that cosmogenic dualism, um, and. I don't know that that it, it's a really from a story writing standpoint. I always think that that's kind of the a really good basic starting point, right? You're always going to have a a dualism that's going on somewhere. It doesn't necessarily have to be good and evil. You know, there's there's a lot of different stories. There's you know uh, there's examples of free uh, independence or community. Um, you have you know ideas of safety versus freedom. Um, there's a lot of different concepts of duality there, but uh, I wanted to also talk. And Josh, you're probably going to jump on this this conversation train um, real quick about the parallels that I see with 
with the Traveler and Prometheus. Um, does anyone? Did anyone else really like when we were when you're talking about the Traveler card? Did that? Did that scream Prometheus to anyone else? In what way? Uh, the, that it like okay so Prometheus uh, in Promethean way the Prometheus the, in the Promethe- fact that he brings bring, something well us. so Prometheus I guess I, I guess technically because Josh I guess technically it also depends on the translation right because aren't there some myths that he wasn't the creator of humans it yeah it definitely depends there's uh, and I think it's a I, I feel like it's Roman, but I don't know off the top of my head right now. Um, there is one where he created humans out of clay, mm-hmm. and that is the reason why he has so many humans, so that when the gods are punishing humans, he ends up committing the actions he commits. Um, in other myths, it's just, you know, like in Hesiod, he kind of just does it because he just really wants to piss off Zeus. Like, the hell well, yeah, because so. <laughs> I forgot about that. Um, uh, but yeah, that's. You know, um, actually, when I was so when I was and I'm jumping to Hindu right away. When I was looking, at, <laughs> <laughs> God damn it, couldn't stop it. When I was looking for uh, for some of these connections, um, I had first I had a whole set of ideas first, um, and then I wandered back to a god called Agni, is a Hindu god of fire. Um, and the attributes that Agni has are, at first I thought that they were, uh, that they were sort of Promethean. Um, and I actually, the more I looked into it, the more I thought it was the other way around, that Prometheus was more figure. Um, Agni is a deity of fire. And so we have that commonality there. Mm-hmm. Um, Agni is, he's one of these wandering deities, of which we'll talk about when we get to that. Um, but Agni also has uh, specific traits, and uh, Agni is known for certain things. So he is also the god of prayers. He is who uh, the ancient, uh, who the ancients would pray to for X, Y, and Z, and they would burn their incense and their smoke would rise towards Agni, who will then bring, uh, then bring the prayers to the other gods. Uh, he is the god of sacrifice, and who's the biggest, you know, <laughs> the biggest example of sacrifice in Destiny right now than the Traveler? Mm-hmm. But he has some other interesting parts, like he likes to play hide and seek, which <laughs> <laughs> at first sounds like he's the greatest hide-and-seek master of all time. Um, but Agni always gets found. However, the places where he chooses to also places where he imbues life. Hmm. And if we look at the journey of the Traveler, we know at least in two examples, or at least in two cases, that he did provide some sort of life force to whatever area he was in. Uh, the first is obviously the Elixir homeworld, and the second is the solar sh- or our solar system. Um so I thought I thought that right away was pretty interesting. Yeah that, um, that is. And that that really sort of 
even if it's even if this is not a direct influence on the creation of the traveler that uh that the creation of the traveler could have uh such direct parallels to real world deity is phenomenal in my opinion mm-hmm. and we don't we don't get anything like that really in depth. uh you know we get like space dragons and stuff like that well <laughs> tell me how many dra- how many dragons do you actually see out in the world uh this is very very spot on there are other cool things as well um Agni actually becomes uh in later uh in Vedic ritual and Vedics are hymns I believe mm-hmm. because the Rig Vedas the Rig Veda is like the major uh tome that uh, you can buy Penguin Bookshelf. Um, so yeah, uh, Agni becomes the he becomes a metaphor, the immortal principle of man, which consumes and dispels states of darkness, uh, and then transforms and procreates into states of existence. Which is like, how the hell can we not get more traveler? Right, <laughs> the ghost and everything. I, I I mean, it's it's like it's this is his job description, like. The traveler came here and he was like, "I'm going to associate myself with that guy. That that's that's the guy. It's great. It is even down to like his etymology. Yeah, that's what I was. I was looking at the etymology of it, and it's it's like the one that the one that stands out to me is the the root. I think the root is aj, which in Sanskrit means to drive. And in the sense of yes. nimble and agile, and you have the dreams Abo. of yeah, you have the dreams of Alpha Lupi where it's talking about you know are you pushed or are you pulling like, and then you have uh, Tolan talking about you being a ball bearing upon which all it moves and stuff like that. That's or yeah, and then Og, which is the what is that Latin? Yeah, it it. it uh... Ig- it's the der- it's a derivative oh, of yeah, yeah. ago and ago in Greek. It's yeah, it's great stuff. Um, I'm trying to remember offhand, just as an aside, when when I was doing my undergrad, there was I had a professor of mine who was explaining to me, Prometheus himself is an Indo-European idea that does not actually come from Prometheus, which is forethought, but having to do with fire, like <laughs> bearing fire. <laughs> Which is oh, like, okay. There we go again. <laughs> oh, really? It all connects somehow. Yeah, yeah. Well, and I mean, like the entire—I mean, so like the entire concept of Prometheus too is, you know, it—it's—it's it's just interesting. The the other the other really intriguing thing about Prometheus is that it was a he was a Titan, yes. you know, and like Titans generally weren't like super generous <laughs> about things, like. You know, and yet this is Prometheus, and he is like the creator of mankind. Well, in most most cases, he's known as the creator of mankind. It's you know, in in pretty much all cases, Prometheus was always presented as like one of the greatest protectors and benefactors of mankind. I mean, he basically condemned himself to give humankind fire, um, and he also had. He he also had a number of tricks that he pulled on Zeus. The trick of Mason, yeah. the trick of Mason is the, my favorite one, but um, that's that's the one where that's where Prometheus basically tricks Zeus into 
having to eternally claim the inedible parts of cows and bulls. So like they they can't <laughs> they can't use the cow they can't use the animals while humans who are doing the sacrifices get to keep the nourishing parts. I think Zeus claims enough in his lifetime. <laughs> well, uh, yeah, we're not going to get down yeah. that road. Ninety nine point actually one hundred percent of the problems within Greek mythology tend to be because Zeus can't keep his pants on. So, well, that's just how any king deity. Seems no, to be my God, Zeus. Seems. Listen, fifty two out of fifty, fifty two out of Jupiter's fifty three moons. <laughs> God, that should say a lot. Oh gosh! I got a buddy of mine who's an astrophysics major, and he didn't understand conventions of Jupiter's moons. And I spent the next hour explaining each and every one of them and discovering new characters as I did it. So, so what you're saying God is Zeus, Zeus is off the top. <laughs> Let me tell you, Zeus makes it happen. Yeah. So, okay. Just to break down what you guys have talked about so far into like cliff notes, extreme. Can mm-hmm. we, can we do a cliff notes type thing so far? Mm-hmm. I encourage it. Yeah, me too, because I, I I have to admit, listening to you guys go into the in-depth type stuff, it's fascinating, but I'm like slightly glazing over because <laughs> I remember going and sitting so, in so my ba- mythology. Yeah, so basically there's there's a there's a very strong connection. Um and I think we can all agree that regardless if it was an intentional connection or if it's just a coincidental connection. There is a very strong connection between uh, the Hindu, oh, I guess, yeah, Hindu fire god known as Agni, which is spelled A G N I, um, and the tra- the figure of the traveler. Now, there's there's a couple, and that's and what Josh and I kind of got off on the side tangent there about is because there's also a lot of strong connections between Agni and Prometheus. Um, and in just Prometheus in general, there's, there's a number of connections there as well, but that, that's pretty much the, the connection there. And there's, if you, I mean, you can just pull up Agni on Wikipedia and just go down the page. I would not recommend stopping there by any means because Wikipedia is, uh, is not the most, what's the, what's the tactful word for that reputable source of information it, it's pretty it's pretty good but yeah it's it's you, easily fact editable. check just fact check yes <laughs> but i mean like you just just looking at just the etymology section on wikipedia for for agni and that's where you kind of it'll they'll break down like the basic concepts of the root words and you know the the inspirations behind those um and it's it's a pretty good it's a pretty good indication now and if you read that and then you pull up you know the grimoire from ishtar collective with the traveler um, and then just read that and just compare those two. And you, you see a lot of inspirations between that concept and the traveler. Same with Prometheus. If you pull up, you know, just if you don't know who Prometheus is and you don't know the, the mythologies of Prometheus, I really, really strongly suggest going and picking up, you know, any copy of Greek mythology and reading a couple of Prometheus stories because they're actually really entertaining. Um but it's pretty much Osiris. Well, yeah, I mean, for me, uh, Osiris, Osiris has a whole different mythology between. I'm just him. messing with you. Um, but Prometheus, Prometheus is a is a titan, 
who is a different level of immortal being within the Greek mythology, um, who basically is is held in that mythology to be, in most cases, held to be the creator of humankind, um, and who is also usually the individual who gifted humankind with fire and with other things via tricking the the Olympian gods, which is, a, you know, so you have Titans and you have the Olympians. Um, he would trick Zeus, who was the Olympian in charge of everything in Greek and, well, Greek mythology, Jupiter so in Roman. Um, yeah, well, when you when you kill your own father, you kind of get to make the call the shots. Um, it's a family tradition. It's a, yeah, yeah, actually, God, Greek mythology. Um, but... So and so, Prometheus basically tricks um, tricks Zeus and the other gods into getting into situations in which humankind comes out ahead. Um, and the importance there is within Greek mythology, humankind was was in the cosmetic hierarchy near the bottom, like as far as the other gods were concerned. They didn't really they were they were just tools to be used. Um, and so that that was a big deal for for that cosmetic situation or not the cosmological situation got the cosmetics cosmological hierarchy that's a big deal because that means that someone at the top, someone near the top was actually helping someone that technically they shouldn't be um but <laughs> Uh, and so that's that's where Prometheus, and and then ultimately, actually, what happens with Prometheus, and here's another connection with Prometheus and the Traveler, is ultimately he gets caught, and he gets caught giving fire to human, which is a huge thing at that time because it's basically the the introduction to civilization. It it introduces humans into a golden age, and his punishment for this is to be basically strapped up to a cliff and eternally being and he's immortal so he he, had his liver eaten yeah well not just his liver he gets his entire pretty much midsection ripped out by an eagle every day and it's just for eternity because he's a titan he heals and every day he gets it's basically a reset um and so that's that was kind of the thing is like he is strapped up on this cliff and that's his punishment for eternity i think depending on again depending on the the myth that you go off of he he sometimes gets freed um tooltip for mythology it always sucks to be the trick yeah it it never it never yeah yeah um it pays to be what the trickster Trickster god uh the trickster ah! trickster gods always get the short stick <laughs> loki seems to be made of teflon uh loki well or coyote uh, well, coyote, coyote is usually. I think coyote is actually the only one that usually comes out ahead. Yeah, because even just, Loki, I, even Loki doesn't really come out ahead. In the I, I just want to, I just want to say these things because I want to think that there's like bright, like a bright future for me. <laughs> <laughs> so, 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 Justin, if you don't know the story of Loki. <laughs> Loki gets chained up, and there's a snake hovering over his head for all eternity, dripping venom onto his uh-huh. forehead. And every time his wife has to move the cup away when it fills with venom, the venom just strips right up to his face, and he has like the most angry reaction. And I know for you, you just 
Just Justin's muted at this point. <laughs> okay, so bye everybody. <laughs> All right, so we've talked a lot of like the Greek Roman connection, mm-hmm. a bit of the Hindu. First of all, that was not in the Marvel movies. <laughs> Loki yes, seemed like he had a pretty fun time. Neither yes, was Loki's green, wife, but... and he was very good looking. <laughs> that is yes. very true. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so green, like you were saying. So, so, so we, we've, we've, we've compiled touched. this. Yeah, we've touched two of them. Um, I know that we haven't touched anything on the Norse connections, mm-hmm. nor have we really jumped into the Egyptian connections, which also is going to be a rabbit hole to dig down. Yeah, the the Egyptian. Yeah, oh, yeah, that's true. I don't know which one's going to be easier to. The oh, I can I can run through the Egyptian pretty quick uh, because if it's if we're if we're gonna if we'll restrict it just to the traveler obviously um, because if once we once we open the floodgates on the Osiris connection I thought that was the plan yeah once we, well I'm, I'm I'm more talking to myself don't don't open the floodgates on the Osiris connection um, which I will try my best not to. Um, so there's, there is a kind of a light, light nod, I guess you would say to a divine figure within the Egyptian mythology called, who goes by the name of Thoth. Um, and this can be actually found within the speaker's room or the orrery of the tower within what the emblem that's called is the alchemist cast. Um, this is, this is an interesting thing because, the alchemist cast obviously is a nod to the concept of alchemy. Now the, the alchemist cast though, the emblem has eight orbs there. There's a, which is a really weird number for alchemy because generally most alchemy, like most alchemical schools, the prime materials depicting from a range from like four or five, maybe six. There's a few really weird theories that have a prime of nine or 12, but eight is never really present. Like, it's I mean, a weird it, number in it's, general it's there. As being used. Yeah. It, I mean, it's there. Like you, you can sometimes find, uh, you can sometimes find, uh, recipes for it, but it's not a common, it's not a prime. It's not a heavily used one. Now, eight though, does have heavy significance in Egyptian mythology. And that is because it's the number associated with the diet deity Thoth. And this is, this is an interesting connection too, because this is the deity who taught Isis how to resurrect Osiris after he was murdered by his brother and spoiler, spoiler alert. He was dismembered and thrown around the country and his wife, Isis, had, or his sister, wife, whatever you want to go over there, Isis had to reassemble him and then resurrect him, uh, missing a very important piece. But we're not going to talk about that. Um, if you were curious, if you're curious, go read the go read the myth. It's it's, it's kind of detailed <laughs> on certain aspects. Um, but yeah. but anyways, Thoth is the one who teaches Isis how to do this. So. If you if you look at this, Thoth is actually kind of a a parallel to the Traveler. If you understand Isis to be a parallel to the Ghost and Osiris to be a parallel to the General Guardian, 
which is why I'm holding out that Osiris's ghost is named because that would be really fun. Cecil. Yeah, Cecil. Sure. Let's let's go with that. Um, But so like Thoth is the one who teaches, (laughs) teaches the teaches Isis how to resurrect Osiris. So just like our ghosts are resurrecting our guardians because they've been, quote unquote, taught by the traveler, that could be a parallel there as well. Um, there, there's a couple other really kind of minor connections there too, because Thoth is considered to be what, what's usually being considered to be the wisest of the Egyptian God. Um, and he actually goes on to do a very large laundry list of things that benefit every, everything in the mythology of the Egyptian mythology. Um, he, he overcomes Ra's curse, which allowed, uh, there's a primordial God named Nut. And she would that allowed oh, her newt. newt. Is it newt? No, I'm going to go with nut because that's what it says. That's what it says. It's it's if you pronounce it phonetically with like the actual thing, it's newt. Okay, so she she isn't able to give birth to her five kids. So Thoth basically releases her from that curse, which then allows newt. Sounds there you like. Go. A, which sounds like a small lizard to give birth to her five children, which then therefore allows um, basically the Pantheon to, to come into existence because Newt was the, was the basic starting point for this entire thing. Um, Thoth also uh, drives the, uh, he heals Horus from a poison that was given to him by Set during a <laughs> sorry josh is sitting justin um, oh my uh he also heals horus and then actually goes on to support horus in his battle against set who um was the person who ki- or was the god who killed osiris he goes on to support horus in the battle against set who horus is set's nephew and Thoth gives Horus wisdom and magic and allows him to overthrow Set. And then obviously he he teaches Isis how to resurrect Osiris. And then ultimately he even goes on to reunite Tef is it Tef Newt? Or Tef Nut? Green. I'm I would have to actually look at it, but generally a U is pronounced with a like a double O. So okay. U type sound. So Okay, yeah, that person with Ra, which is a huge thing because basically those two entities had like sworn to not talk like they they were the epitome of I'm never talking to you again. And Thoth brings them back together and promotes this big, big thing. Um, Now, another very, 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 very small note is that there is a mythological artifact known as the Book of Thoth which is actually a a sacred text a that would huh it's a thing yeah. it's a real thing it 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 is a real thing supposedly kind of but this artifact would allow the person who raids the the tome to become the most powerful magician in the world simply because thoth is also kind of responsible for the entire judgment judgment process of the overworld in a really weird roundabout way but this kind of ties into all those loose notes in the speaker's room 
kind of maybe be I there's I again this could all just be me just being kind of reading into stuff but that's definitely spin foily so yeah mm-hmm. that's that's kind of the the connection for Egyptian Egyptian stuff on a if very want, cliff notes level yeah if you want to go and see a little bit more about that uh, blade of Hades from discord has a little bit more expanded ideas it's kind of it's kind of spin foily and on the bit bungee.net side of things he's got a link i know in discord for us that he sent me a while ago but yeah egyptian stuff it's not as connected to the traveler as it seems as much Mm -mm. as some of the others or at least as, as it seems to be with some of the other things that are in there We have uh, Justin. <laughs> oh my God! It's a good guys. thing Justin mutes his mic for some of the you guys. Um, Sorry. Do you guys you want to jump into the the Norse? You you want to jump? You want to be here for another five hours? Uh, okay. <laughs> yeah. Let's. Let, I know we'll get yelled at if we don't. So let's do it. <laughs> I'll just keep pushing you guys to go on and like give cliff notes versions of it. Uh, it's tough. I don't know if this there are cliff one. notes versions of this one. This one's tough. Um, oh man. Uh, okay. So let, and this is going to kind of play into the concept of what's, what's, what's kind of called a wandering deity, I guess. Isn't, isn't that, would Josh, would that be the right term for the, Wondering, no, wondering benefactor. Don't really know where that would. Is Josh muted too. Uh, Josh might have muted himself. Um, but this this kind of goes into that that entire archetype of a a wandering benefactor, which you see a lot in some of the mythologies, such as you know, well, such as the Norse mythology and the figure of Odin. Odin actually is called Odin the Wanderer by by some and um this this is a this is the idea of a a benefactor who basically doesn't hold to a particular location it he he or she you know will literally will wander throughout the world or through the cosmos and assist and you know be bring beneficial abilities to that um and so you you can also see that within the christ figure Right. Um, so, and even, I think even Agni has actually considered a wandering benefactor as well. Right. Um, oh gosh. Okay. So Odin, Odin is, uh, oh, father. Yeah. Odin. Oh my gosh. Where do I even start with Odin? Let's start with Odin's sacrifice. Okay. All right. So Odin, has a pretty famous sacrifice. Well, he's got a he's got a couple famous sacrifices. Um he the I think Green Green, the one you're talking about is his eye. That's the one that I'm most familiar okay. with. Okay. Uh so there there was a there was a scenario with Odin in which he needed to gain basically gain wisdom or gain power and wisdom and 
in order to do this, he had to do a number of different things. I'm going off memory on this one, so don't don't yell at me too much. But basically, in order ultimately in order to get all the wisdom that he wanted, he needed to pay a price. And the price that he paid was he I don't remember did he pluck his eye out or was it plucked out? You guys do you remember? I don't, I don't remember which one it was. I know um, I know he gave one of his eyes in return, but I can't remember if he actually like he, I could see I Odin doing that in the uh-huh. mythology, but um but this this also kind of is a a connection to his other usual usually his other very popular sacrifice, which is basically his crucifixion. Um and his crucifixion, he basically is presented as being hung in the heavens in in kind of a in kind of a way that it was associated with learning and gaining of power again the whole the whole thing of like he would sacrifice his own self in order to gain wisdom and gain knowledge and gain power so that he can then turn around and use it to help blank fill in the blank here right um and so that and that's kind of again you know the hanging in the heavens was the the connection there you know he's been crucified which is usually usually not a very pleasant experience if anyone knows the actual historical process of that method he was yeah. hung from a tree yeah yeah well yeah from Wasn't the world tree he was hung from uh is it yugastril right the the big big tree in the picture <laughs> the big tree the through. big tree in the picture with the serpent since once it's lying at around. the bottom yeah that Excuse me, justin's still here we can't keep talking about snakes yeah always I, gotta be a snake <laughs> <laughs> justin there is a goat and a squirrel and, and a crazy by the, way. the squirrel is absolutely insane crazy. i don't care if i have to be a scent isn't a freaking snake isn't there a yeah, there's a bird as well, but yeah, yeah the, squir- like, yeah, the squirrel on the top. The squirrel there's is r- absolutely rats the top. Actually, the squirrel reminds me of Justin just because. <laughs> is there is there some sort of mongoose? <laughs> no, there's no. not a mongoose. <laughs> that would actually make that would actually make me feel better. There, I don't believe there were there were any mongoose in Scandinavia. I, I don't. Iceland. I don't think that. I don't think that animal was known to them at the time. <laughs> There's a rainbow okay. bridge. There is. There's the Gallahorn. Is that just like the horn they use to call the snakes? <laughs> well, when you think of it, yeah, kind of. You're not wrong. <laughs> Oh man! How did this turn from traveler in the mythology to just making Justin face his fears? <laughs> We're just trying to help. It's you. because I blame Josh. I blame I Josh. You know what? I will. I will take that gladly. <laughs> you know but, we don't try. There's just serpents everywhere, man. Yeah, it's, it's not it like we're. It's not like we're theme. hunting them out. They just keep presenting themselves. It's a super common theme in any mythology. I mean, even look at Christianity. You see it there too. Mm-hmm. It's just all over the place. Thanks for ruining church. Sorry. 
You, you're fine. It's a Sunday school story. Listen, be happy. Be happy that the topic of the episode is the traveler and mythology, not mythology. Because Blue and I could probably bring up every snake, snake. reference that possibly could ever be a destiny. Listen, and relate it back to something else. Listen, I didn't realize that this podcast has be- had become the mouthpiece for Thulsa Doom. Okay, I didn't realize that's where we were. I thought we had some integrity, and you know. I thought we were above this type of thing. No. So in Destiny 2, I want the Hydras to actually like Hydras because then Justin knows that he's going to Anyways, back to topic. Uh, back okay, to topic. So he's being – he's hung from <laughs> Yggdrasil? Yeah. Uh, yeah. I'm not even going to try to yeah. pronounce it right. Yggdrasil. I'll just get yelled at regardless Yggdrasil. of how I pronounce it. Yeah, that's a good one. I do believe it's an I sound. Yeah. Like a short eye or a long eye? Yeah. The same way, like... <clears throat> the God, I, I swear I don't mean to do this. The same way the Midgard Serpent is your moon gun. Mm-hmm. It's, mm-hmm. it's like a... The J is like a, a Y. Exactly what I was thinking. <laughs> okay. And for, for right. the record, Odin did kill a worm. Mm-hmm. Or I mean, I'm sorry, a snake. An snake. adder. So he makes that sacrifice, gives up his eye, and then he also sacrifices by hanging on the, like, basically crucifying himself or getting crucified to get more wisdom. Um, As far as, like, connecting that to the Traveler, that's, without knowing the end of the Traveler story, that's a hard connection to make in my eyes. Because we don't know that the Traveler is actually gaining wisdom because we're not the Traveler. Mm -hmm. We don't have that, that perspective. As far as I think the connection that a lot of people make, um, other than other than, you know, just the fact that it's a known fact that Bungie has, you know, breaking fourth wall here, Bungie's kind of obsessed with Norse mythology. Oh yeah. Um but no the, the other the other connection is the whole the whole um presentation of Odin hanging in heaven on when he's being crucified. Um, you know, he's kind of like he's when, cause you know, you is the, is it's a tree, but it's not a tree. Right. Like it's, it's the heavens is what it is. It's basically the, the, the everything. Um, so when he's hung on, but it is a, tree. it's so oh God, it's so weird. It's, but anyways, it's like the, it, it's like the, the, the universal void. Right. In, in yeah. other mythologies where, it is the world, but it contains the world, and it's divided into worlds. Right. So there, there is a uh, there is a physical incarnation or a physical manifestation, rather, of Yggdrasil in the Norse mythology. But that is that would be like if you're just looking at the trunk of it, mm-hmm. and so its branches are the world and the cosmos mm-hmm. and all that you know is within the mythology. Okay, so to, to tie into the void, Justin, if you'll let me real quick. Do it. The, there's actually the only cards, and I went through every single card. If you guys go to the mind map, there are a ton of references to, or like Bell likes to say, a poop ton of references <laughs> to the Traveler in the Grimoire. And I've linked every single one where Traveler is capitalized. So, yeah, that was a good four hours of work. But <laughs> the only... Uh, the only type of energy that we use, solar, arc, and void, 
The only one that's actually connected to the traveler directly is void. None of the others are connected. Which would make that, that kind of makes sense. If you look at the descriptions of those energies, because right. arc and solar exist in elemental form. And Whereas I void is the this, unknown. Yeah. And I pulled up one of the things and it said that the, where is it at? Is it under void Walker? Let me pull it up real quick. Stalling. I'm stalling. Okay. So the traveler came out of the void that surrounds all things. Thus, we know that the void is full of power. Thus we enter the void without fear. That is from the void Walker card. That's just the very first par- paragraph of it. So, I mean, warlocks have already made that connection that the void is what the traveler is kind of encompassed from. And it talks about it in Nova Bomb as well, if you guys want to pull that one up. Mm-hmm. But there, that's my connection to kind of tie into the traveler being so, worse. Yay, I did something. <laughs> the the other The other kind of... In the, the the other thing that I would I kind of find disturbing, I guess, about the Odin connection is really the entire concept of uh, Ragnarok, um, because there's there's a pro- within the within the mythology there's a prophecy that Odin will fight Fenrir, which is a monstrous wolf. During the great battle of Ragnarok, Odin will be consumed by the wolf, yet Odin's son will avenge him by stabbing the wolf in the heart. So, and then that leads to the world being burned and renewed. Um, any of the surviving gods will return to uh, to meet and recall Odin's deeds, basically to remember him. And so, basically, if you if you equate Odin with a traveler. And the collapse could technically be Ragnarok because the world was burned and renewed. Then we would be the sun by stabbing the wolf in the heart. If the wolf is the darkness. Well, yeah, but what in that brings up another. Yeah, because that that's well, because Fenrir was more than a wolf. Like mm-hmm. when you say we, yeah, like fin, Fenrir is a wolf in the same way that Yggdrasil is a tree. Right. You know, like Fenrir is a whole different issue, but I don't, the other, the other thing is when he was crucified on the tree, he did hang there for nine nights, you know, so have fun with that connection. I I think what you're trying to do is you're trying, I think you're trying to continue the mythology. Because um, I, I get what you're saying with uh, uh, a post Ragnarok world, mm-hmm. and from from what we know of mythology, there there really isn't anything past Ragnarok. Yeah, that's what I was about to say. Is um, is there ever what we're what we're almost? It's weird. What we're almost intended to believe is past Ragnarok is history and this happens across tons of different mythologies you know and uh, when it comes to norse mythology or norse folklore uh norse folk excuse me um you do have sagas mm-hmm. that will then talk about uh specific kings or uh characters in lore you know they 
are believed to have come from X, Y, and Z. That's how they continue the story and so on and so forth. But there is no, uh, there is no continuation at the end of Ragnarok. You have, uh, and that's the, even the reason why the ending is like this is a whole other set of reason uh, complications. But you know, you have uh, a single man and a single woman. You have the sons of Thor. You have uh, an individual son of Osiris who had survived. Right, that's why I was, I was just looking. I was like, does the connection between I, I don't even know Vidar is it? I think it's. The, I always forget which one it is. Vidar is the one that's supposed to kill Fenrir, but I'm like, I'm trying to find what happens to Vidar after he kills Fenrir because <laughs> it's no, like yeah, so he so survives, like, but then the end. No, yeah, and it's it's really just like you know we. This is what happens, and it just goes on from there. I mean, it's uh. And this is, I'm going to change, but this is personal interest. I've, for myself, I've tried to see where, where Greek mythology stops, which is to say, what are the stories to history? And, you know, once I get up to something that's like uh, the later parts of the, the Greek, uh, Greek epic cycle, which is uh, the ending of the Trojan War, and maybe a couple after that it's, it almost seems like it's supposed to into history what yeah we think is oh, history. that's true yeah so i i feel like i have to agree with green i like i dislike the uh parallelism between the traveler and odin's uh hanging but i'm not opposed to a post Ragnarok idea destinies. It's, it's hard. I mean, it's hard to actually attribute that because we don't have a lot on Ragnarok after yes. like, post Ragnarok. So, I mean, the idea of a post-apocalyptic world, yeah, that fits destiny pretty nicely of any and sort. At, and at the same time, Ragnarok is technically, it, it's not just the end of an era, but it is a one and done there for no reason. Should we have to, should life quote unquote, have to face an enemy as deadly as uh, Loki and the Yoda. There's, yeah, you know, they, there's yeah. no feasible reason why. And if you try to, uh, if you try to apply that to the story of destiny, it does not work right? because the entity that we are, because the entity that the traveler fought was proxy of the darkness. It was not the darkness itself. Well, any of the enemies that we have fought are proxy. No, no, no. Yes, that's true. But I mean, specifically if we were, he's talking about like with the collapse, right? Like, yeah. Right. Like, like if we knew that the traveler was equivalent to the sky, Right. Then we know that after the collapse, it wasn't that the darkness uh, was destroyed. Because yeah, no, we're still fighting. We're not only fighting enemies of the darkness, we are fighting the darkness in some fashion. Mm-hmm. So it's it could fit if I believe the situations in Destiny were a little bit more open when we start. Because when we do start the game, it's... It, 
it's not like we're picking up the pieces of a broken world. We've long been in a broken world. Right. And the enemy has not disappeared. It's just lulled us for X number of centuries. That's a, that's a fair point too. Cause like within the fact that you have massive enemies still wandering the cosmos would indicate that Ragnarok, the, 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 parallel whatever ragnarok the apocalypse whatever it is the true apocalypse um hasn't happened because in happening We're still collapsing well in in happening ragnarok the description of ragnarok is it's a total out all out both sides throw everybody at each other right, right. there there is really not there the major powers are not left afterwards there are still some things left, and this is you know just just the the Norse the you know Prozetta whatever Ragnarok, but like there there's not like there's a rebirth of the world, but like there's not like there's not Thors, there's no Odins, there's no Lokis, there's because those have all been they 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 were destroyed within Ragnarok, or well most of them were right as far okay. as the named ones go. So with the Ragnarok idea, it kind of sounds like it's not quite cyclical as far as the Mm -mm. rebirth of the universe. Mm -hmm. It's not like an Aztec apocalypse. Or even, yeah, yeah, or even like the, is Hindu like that? My understanding is like there's something similar. Hindu does have uh, cycles of rebirth. I don't know. Yeah, I, don't, like, I, I, I don't know. I don't like, know. Enough. I don't know about a recurring Armageddon. Also, well, and also their wars, like Ragnarok, every time they go to war. But there's no reason. There's no reason you can't take the Norse, uh, the Norse institution of Ragnarok and place it place it in a cyclical in a cyclical time model. Right. Like, right. Yeah. Uh, I just looked real quick. Uh, I, I don't, this is, this, okay, I'm going to preface this answer because I have no knowledge of Hinduism other than like very, 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 very basic surface level. So take, take what I'm about to say worth a grain of salt. It does not look like there is a, like when you say apocalypse or Ragnarok or, you know, the end of days, basically, it Mm -hmm. doesn't look like there is a concept that translate directly into that. There is a concept of, I, I think it's you, Yuga San, Sandhi, Sandy, Shanti. I don't know. S A N D H I. What does that sound like to you, by the way? Sandhi. Yeah. Yuga, Yuga sundown. Yuga, Yuga sundown. Um, yeah. which, which actually would make a lot of sense too, because that tr- is a transition period between Yuga's, uh, which mm-hmm. I, I assume Yuga That's, is a, I can't remember. Like a time, it's a time period. It's a time period, it? right? Like, like a... So the way, the way they explain it is it's a comma, whereas an apocalypse is a full stop. <laughs> so like, you know, like a, an apocalypse is, okay, we're done. Um, whereas if you view time as cyclical, there is no done period. There's just okay. We're going to transition into this era. this era, this era, the this age. Um, 
I think they they have. Uh, I have no idea how many ages they have. Lots. I'm trying to find that real quick. It's one, two, three, four. No, way more than that. Yes, there's a lot. Mm-hmm. Let's just go with that. Um, and then you know, like they they do have. It looks like they do have a particular age in which uh, it's the uh, Kali Kali Yuga is is similar to Doomsday, but it's it's not the classical doomsday it's literally just the transition period it, it's very much more akin to the concept of the the aztec or the mayan apocalypse which is just basically a a refresh kind of a transition of the cycle back into the beginning so i don't yes i, I so again you know take take that worth a, a grain of salt um but it does not from what i'm from what i am seeing on this very 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 quick search there is no definitive end of days it is just a transition time between right. eras within the hindu belief if i am wrong please gently correct me please emphasis emphasis on the gently because this is not something i'm 100% familiar with so, oh, go at blue hard. Yeah, yeah. or if you're Sounds if you're correct. Justin, if you're just you now if Justin's wrong, you can just throw you can just get snakes him and just send if snakes Justin's at him. Wrong, yeah, I'll run like an iguana. So, are there any other major connections that we know of besides the one? I mean, we've gone over Egyptian, Norse, uh, Roman, Greek and hindu and we've kind of touched on all of them a little bit each are there any other like major connections at least to the traveler or any other uh mythologies that we haven't thought of um i mean there's the etruscans but the romans basically stole everything from the etruscans so right which I'm still still bitter. salty about that, aren't <laughs> you? Oh my god! I had okay. Let me let me explain where the 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 you talk about is. Roman anything blues like it's religious Etruscan. Oh, it it is. But we're not we're not okay here. Oh my gosh! Okay, the the source of that salt, by the way, for any of us, for any of you who are curious, which if you're not curious, guess what? I'm going to tell you anyways. Um, is I had might to tell you twice. Yeah, I might tell you twice. Um. I had to do a one. Well, when I was in high school, we had to do these massive projects every year. And the first project that I got assigned was an analysis of ancient civilizations. And I got given the Etruscan civilization. The Etruscan civilization is an amazing, amazing civilization. It's really cool. And then at the end of the Etruscan civilization, you know what happens? The Romans come and just take all their stuff. And then yeah. kill all their kings, and they're like, "These what are ours. It? These are ours." From the books of sorrow, we oh, killed them all and, and took, took their, their stuff. stuff. <laughs> it was, I was like, "I'm like, what? that's Roman. What?" <laughs> just, 
That is a Roman I don't know. I, I spent, I spent, I think I spent months, you know, researching the Etruscans' culture, the civil, like just the civilization, all the really cool stuff that they that they really invented, and you know, the Romans get credit for everything. I was like, and then the Romans <laughs> just came in and gentrified the whole place. Oh God, it was awful. <laughs> Welcome to conquering Europe. Yeah, well, yeah. I mean, history is written by the victors, so let's just Mm -hmm. end it at that. But concrete was not invented by the Romans. I'm just putting that there. Stop stop saying that. The Etruscans figured it out first. They also figured out all the naval combat concepts. But um, not good enough. They weren't. They weren't defeated because of naval combat. They were defeated because they lived on a hill, and it was the wrong hill. Um, let's see. Always take the high ground. It well, yeah, basically. Sickness. Sickness has a tendency of doing that. Um, I'm trying to think. There was the the concept, uh, Josh. I know we we kind of talked about offline a little bit about the sacrifice of pieces of itself to create um i know you you were is it perusa um yeah it's uh because i was gonna say epic of gilgamesh but no you had (laughs) you had the other one (laughs) well no so i so i first thought of usha the universe man as he's called in the hymns where uh uh the gods the gods that he thus creates then take pieces of him and uh, those pieces then become different aspects of the universe. And when those aspects are diminished, they return to him. And it's sort of cyclical. And to some degree, I, I was equating that to the powers bequeathed to us by the traveler, uh, be that the light, be that ghost and something like that. Um, and I'm, you know, we did like the whole Orphic egg thing, and uh, the the hymn of the golden egg is really loopy halfway through. <laughs> um, I had I had read these hymns, these Hindu hymns, years ago, and I was rereading them this week, and it was just hurting my brain. You you get like a nice summary right, for the hymn, and whoever made the commentary said. This is not going to be fun because halfway through, you don't know if you're talking about the egg or the person holding the egg, in which case you're wondering where the person holding the egg came from. <laughs> That's what I thought the Traveler was. Fair enough. That's, you know, boom. We can go to Gilgamesh now. <laughs> we can go to so, <laughs> Gil- My mind hurts about it <laughs> uh gilgamesh and so like when i when i say the epic of gilgamesh um the epic of gilgamesh is uh it, it, it's a mesopotamian poem basically uh that talks uh, basically about the creation of the world um but it's not really gilgamesh that i would that i would look at here it's um it it's actually the way in which the world is created. And again, with, with kind of what, um, Josh was saying is it's not, there's not a very clear connection here, but when we were talking about sacrificing pieces of oneself to create the, um, the entire process of creation from within the Epic, I think it's on the first tablet basically, uh, 
basically the the god who created the world in this in this epic literally rendered rendered himself into different aspects of creation and so basically in order to create life he or it destroyed itself in which to do um there there's also a connection to Ishtar because the goddess Ishtar really doesn't like Gilgamesh and keeps sending stuff to punish him and he keeps killing it and so there's a big there's a big rivalry between Gilgamesh and Ishtar um but yeah it, it it's not it's not like a giant connection and again it's one of these it's one of these like really weird poems that you you read about or you read and uh, yeah. <laughs> It's 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 a it's a bit of a trip to to read through, and it's mostly because and, we don't really have the full thing, um, so there that that's kind of a problem as well. And it's also a shader. Yeah, well, Gil, so Gilgamesh is like there. There are so many different. Like Gil- Gilgamesh is referenced in jeez, you pick an anime and there's probably a Gilgamesh reference in there. Well, I'm just saying there's there's a there's an Easter egg in there. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. Like yeah, there's there's the the Gilgamesh. Um, is that a crucible? It's a it's a yeah, it's, it's a crucible. A crucible. Show, which makes sense because Gilgamesh was uh, there. Gilgamesh was basically um, you. He was presented as as basically the 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 best of all warriors he was he was a human he was a man who was on par with the gods he could he basically actually killed a couple of the gods um so yeah he 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 was kind of he was he was a tough little bugger and it should be said that you know a main uh a major theme in Gilgamesh is the concept of mortality which mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. again you can't talk about destiny and not uh in some way talk about uh mortality and uh preserving life and that kind of stuff and it's it is the tying theme of that epic yeah because like like the whole concept with you know his um, whole purpose for even going on his adventure is in search of immortality yeah but ultimately which which is kind of the the point also of the thing is because at the 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 end you know the second half he he basically learns it doesn't exist um it would it will exist it will it exists but it doesn't exist in your like a man's immortality is not because of actually living it's because of his memory like your your fame survives in your deeds in your yeah in your that's deeds. a cop out well oh, the real type of the quote the, the, yeah it's it's uh <laughs> yeah <laughs> um he's you know there's a quote that says life which you look for you will never find for when the gods created man they let death be a share and life withheld in their own hands um, and that's kind of like the the moral of the the entire epic is let your deeds let your deeds speak for what you are. So, 
Um, as far as that, I think that's it. I mean, there, well, there is the wounded healer concept from, uh, from a psychological concept, but it's not really a mythological idea. Um, Mm -hmm. very briefly, uh, Carl or Jung, um, has a number of archetypes within his psychological construct or cycle, um, this process of healing and process of uh, coming to terms with who you are and a wounded healer is a, is a very, very popular concept because the idea is that only by experiencing pain in the nature of what you're trying to heal, can you heal that pain uh, the best? So uh, there's, there's a very, uh, very very strong view of kind of a lot of psychologists, a lot of doctors are usually in some way individuals who experienced that the pain that led them to want to heal that pain. Um, a, a large majority of or an example for for instance is a psychologist who you know, let's say was in an abusive situation and grows up and basically uses, uses that abusive situation to fuel a desire to help others who are in same situation. Um, that would be a wounded healer, healer type situation. Uh, and so it, it's just the concept of the traveler as a wounded healer again not really a mythology connection there but it was one that did kind of stick out for me to to look at at least when i look at it that's what reminds me a little bit but i think i think that's i think that's it we talked about we talked about the the world egg which was Mm -hmm. the doctor who egg talked about the Egyptians and the alchemist emblem. We talked about the wandering benefactor figure esque, and then just talked about the sacrifice concept. I'm trying to think, I think that's pretty much everything we got other than the 50 bajillion remore cards that green put on the mind map to scare me. I narrowed it down. <laughs> That's what scares me. Ah, <laughs> <sighs> yeah, definitely. So you guys want to just go? We don't. We didn't get any dispatches. Uh, well, we got some dispatches, but they weren't related to this topic. So I, I responded. You guys got emails back from me on that. Um. Or you should. I will check again to make sure that they actually got sent out. Um, but yeah, I, I think that's everything going. I think that's everything. You want to get into shout outs? Demi, you want to lead us? Um, sure. Yeah. So, uh, uh, no, really. Uh, thank you guys for having me back on. I, yeah, I love doing this guy. Uh, this with you guys. So, uh, plus, I 
got the esteemed pleasure today of torturing Justin, which I haven't been able to. Gotta say, it's been fun. But no, yeah, thank you guys very much. Uh, should be back soon, which. Yay! Uh, yes, you will. Mm-hmm. In two weeks? Uh-huh. I'm, I'm going to have to do what Green did and brain in that uh that discussion because that <laughs> our our extra lore our extra lore topic is going to be a fun one. Oh man yeah it's, it's going to be, be very intense. if if you grew up with it you're going to enjoy it and <laughs> you're going to realize that there were four games you didn't play and i'm going to have to uh prescribe you to play all of those games when the time comes but yeah no uh Thank you guys. Uh, again, if you guys ever want to talk to me, you guys can find me on Discord. Uh, catch me on Twitter. And uh, if you guys ever want to play Destiny, just uh, tell me. I'm not with anyone. Awesome. And Justin, I know you had a couple big shout outs. Yeah. Yeah. Big important shout outs tonight. Uh, first of all, big shout out to Demi for being our guest mm-hmm. um, and coming in helping to school me on the dark final days of Loki. Um, <laughs> it was a glimpse to your future. my friend. Spo- spoiler. Yeah. Spoiler. Oh. It's not in the Marvel movies. You sir are the ghost of Christmas bummer. Um, <laughs> so um, also big shout out. Um, it was my clan founders birthday this week. Um, day before last, it was Mountain Fraggle's birthday. So if you see him in Crucible, kill him and then teabag him vigorously. Um, <laughs> and say uh, it's from that's, Justin. That's MTN, MTN, F-R-A-G-G-L-E. Um, but you, but big, Justin, <laughs> Justin, you can't see Fraggle in Crucible because he's always invisible. Oh, yeah, you're right. You're right, but you can see him once he's dead. Um, <laughs> big shout out to my clan, uh, Dod Shadow White Crew. Um, the biggest, the biggest of shout outs um, to Iggy the Iguana. Thank you. Your resolve gives me strength. Through all the sneaky snake references, if you can escape all those snakes on those rocks, I can. <laughs> make it through tonight's podcast and i appreciate that so and also oh no go ahead blue no i was gonna say i need we need to like get a video of you watching that video oh (laughs) my god just because listening to your reaction you just need to say i didn't even i didn't even i didn't even need to watch the video we had everything because you you will never get a more that that's the best reaction you're gonna get from it you take take the clip from earlier tonight and just make that like a separate episode, like a <laughs> point five. And just be like Justin's reaction to watching I'll have to I'll have to Planet see if Earth I Earth I'm pretty sure I'm pretty sure that I had it recording, but I'll, if if I do, I'll I put don't it in there. Think the, you did well, and, and you should also. But what you should do is you should put a marker in there for him, so you can say start the video now. That would yes, be awesome. Yes, yes. Yeah, I'll have to figure out. I'll have to figure out if I can. I, I think I might have had it. Re- if I have it recording, I'll put it at the end of the episode. But okay, basically, cool. basically, for anyone who is completely confused what we're talking about, we uh, we decided to show Justin the iguana versus snakes 
uh, what is it? Planet Earth. Planet yeah. Earth Two. Planet Nightmare. <laughs> Just Justin is the equivalent of Indiana Jones on the snake. The snake. <laughs> we are going to die. <laughs> um. Yeah, and then last but not least, um, wanted to kind of talk about something a little bit more serious. Um, if you're having problems with snakes in your area, please visit www.snakeremoval.com. Oh, um, you don't have to live in fear. So that's it. Good God. I'm just looking at pictures of snakes. You should go to that because the, the, the homepage for that website's amazing. <laughs> Green. What about you? I'm just trying to think of ways to like troll Justin now. For oh, it's, it's not hard. You just get you, I know. yeah, John, Josh, and pretty much everyone out there. It's oh god. Any basic picture of a snake? <laughs> oh man, snake. All right. So my shout outs are not really shout outs. It's just kind of announcements. Uh, We're getting ready to start March. Oh dear God. That is a giant. (laughs) (laughs) What the heck? Snake burst from eating alligator. Dear Lord. Okay. That one's got to get links somewhere. Someone's got to, I just that. Holy moly. Um, Derailed. Totally. Oh. Um, oh, that's funny. Chat. Here we go. So next month we're getting ready to do next month's book chat. We're doing the poll right now. So if you want to oh, vote God. on what we're going to read next month, I think everyone really enjoyed Ready Player One for this month, and we're wrapping that up within the next couple of days. Um, if you want to have a voice on what we're reading next month, make sure you hit up the poll. I post it in both the book chat and the general, and if you follow Twitter. You can find the poll showing up there every couple of hours until Tuesday. I'm going to run it at the same time as Blue's running the general chat, the general poll, the Destiny lore cast. And then also, um, if you want to help with a project that a lot of us are doing within the uh, Discord server, I got to take that picture down. I'm getting so distracted. (laughs) Um, holy moly I don't like snakes either but I don't have that reaction it's just like you can't focus with it there Um, if you're wanting to help some of us within the discord chat I know that Rhino666 and Unisys have been working really hard to pull together references for different items within Destiny so like the last couple of podcasts we've done where we've done Hunter armor, Titan armor all the exotic armors and we've and references from history and science and stuff like that. They've been gathering all that information to make a web page, not unlike Ishtar Collective, but it's not Ishtar Collective. It's their own version of just a reference pool. If you want to help with that, DM me within Discord, and I'll set you up with some information about that and how we're getting that going. Uh, all help is welcome. We're looking for factual references to it not spin foiling for those of you who are spin foil kings <laughs> sorry justin but uh if you want to help with that just dm me we've got a few guys already lined up to help with it and enjoy your extra help 
All Lou? right. <clears throat> and then email for next week is going to be exotic primary weapons. Uh, I know that a Thank lot of you. people a lot of people are enjoying that conversation over in Discord. So please be sure to email us any of your thoughts or opinions. Um, maybe not opinions would be I don't well yeah, you know what, opinions. Um, any of those on that on the exotic primary weapons. So that's going to be, like I said, that's going to be the email topic for next week. And then a big shout out. Uh, I just wanted to give a a big thank you to Oliver from a iTunes review that he sent over uh, this last week. Really appreciate it. Um, thank you for all the kind words and all that info that feedback that you gave us. With that, we'll begin to wrap the chat up. Thank you again to those over on Twitch for coming to spend your evening with us. If you'd like to join us, please be sure to give us a follow over on twitch.tv slash focusedfirechat. Links to all our sites can also be found within our episode archives over on www.focusfirechat.com. Thank you again, Demi, for jumping into the chat. I'll be putting your links into our show notes for anyone who would like to continue this conversation with you. Please be sure to email us at focusfirechat at gmail.com with any feedback or questions concerning the podcast and let us know how we're doing by giving us some feedback on iTunes or through that email as well. Be sure to check out our partner podcast within the Guardian Radio Network over on theguardiansofdestiny.com. So, until next time, focus your fire and may your light shine bright. You know, I was listening to NPR today, and they were talking about Planet Earth is coming out again. Tomorrow. Like, you remember the old... So yeah, amazing. Planet Tomorrow. Earth 2. And they just played in NPR's audio. You don't see anything. They just played, like, a clip of this baby iguana. I think it was an iguana. <laughs> oh, that, that being, clip is great. Being chased by a bunch of snakes. And it's oh, dramatic. Nope. That, that thing is, is like amazing. Ever. That nope. is, like, I remember that clip. <sighs> That I, was a, I was in the gym and I was like, oh my God, please, please make it. Please, dang it. <laughs> did the iguana not it. make it? No, it made it. Oh, yeah, it did. It like, yeah. It, oh, it, it just it jacked up so many snakes, too. <laughs> there were so if many snakes. If I had been filming that, you would have literally saw, like, and here's the iguana and it's natural. Nope. And then the camera hits the ground and it's just <laughs> sand in the frame. Nope. 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 <laughs> All the snakes. You're on your own. You're on your own. (laughs) You're on your own. I'm not getting booped. That's got to be like probably their most televised uh, TV spot too. It's it's crazy because you see the iguana get just like surrounded by a bunch of snakes. Whipping the tail. No, you think you just like evaporated into the – he just comes out of nowhere. Oh my gosh. I just love the beginning of that thing where he's like standing there. And you can see and all the snakes okay. out of the hole. Okay, that's <laughs> you it. See him like sitting there, and you're like, it. "No, no, go." <laughs> trying to find it on Twitter. If I just do Planet Earth two, maybe just maybe. Planet Earth iguana chase. Yeah, it's got it. It's yeah, it's got survival it. of the slipperiest. Yeah.
It's amazing. Iguana versus snakes. Yeah. Already yeah. not comfortable. There's a snake. Sneaky snake. No, it's like uh-uh. Snake. <laughs> uh-huh. You could watch the that snake without. Looks, no, the snake looks fake. No, that's real. That's real. That was, what kind of? They have like a video of how they even taped that entire scene. That's insane. Yeah. Just Iguana's oh posted up like a bulldog. <laughs> He's on your six. He's on your six. <laughs> oh! <laughs> this is like a game of infection. How many snakes? <laughs> How many are there? Oh my god! He's running on two legs. <laughs> No! <laughs> I, oh, just wait, no. Video of, I just want oh, a video of I just want a video of Iguana snake ball! Uh-huh. <laughs> just wait. Just watch. What kind of snake is this? Just watch. Oh, he's out! Yep. He's out. He's gone. New lease on life. Right. Oh, there's more snakes in the rock! <laughs> there's more snakes! Oh, get the f*** on <laughs> <laughs> oh my god did jerry bruckheimer produce this <laughs>